0: You're listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. We know how to evaluate risk factors for cardiovascular disease, for depression, and for cancer. Do you know the risk factors that increase your patient's likelihood of developing an internet addiction? Welcome to the Clinicians Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunch, your host. And with me today is Dr. Kimberly Young. She's an internationally known expert on internet addiction and online behavior. Founded in 1995, she serves as the director of the Center for Internet Addiction Recovery and travels nationally conducting seminars on the impact of the internet. She is the author of Caught in the Net, the first book to address internet addiction. Welcome, Dr. Young. Well, thank you for having me. What are the risk factors for getting into trouble with the internet?
1: Of things. When you look at risk factors for probably any addiction, you're looking at, you know, a lot of times personality issues to clinical issues. And so the issue with Internet addiction, it does seem to follow a pattern that that you've seen in the literature and in, in clinical sort of work related to any addiction, meaning depression is probably a very big risk factor. You see, most addicts have depression as well as might be having alcoholism or drug dependence. And you also see that with Internet addiction. There's probably the biggest amount of research that's been done on clinical depression and Internet overuse or compulsive use. Personality factors can also play a role in developing this as a problem. Sometimes people in stressful life situations, they're going through a bad divorce, they're going through a bout of unemployment, and this fills a void or a need or people that have social apprehensiveness in any way. It really kind of varies in terms of degree, but what I've seen is that people that are very shy and introverted tend to gravitate towards the Internet as an outlet for social connectivity. They're able to use the Internet in a different way because typing is very different than talking, and so it becomes sort of an easier way for them to communicate, and part of the Internet is so interactive and so much a communication tool that this becomes almost a dependency for them. Are there
0: age variables here?
1: Not really. I get that question a lot. I have not seen that age is a, a big factor. I mean, I've seen children, and we, and I think a lot of people think, oh, Internet addicts, they're just kids. But even in the media, you're seeing you know adults hooked on the Internet and the problems that it causes. And I see elderly people as well. You know, I have many clients that are retirees that – Given their life situation, what happens is they're home alone all day. They have unstructured time. College students, all of a sudden, you know, they kind of have that unstructured lifestyle again. And what happens for for the elderly is that they then turn to the internet, and they can be just as likely to get hooked on games. What happens with the technology is you don't have to be savvy with computers to use. The internet. You can point and click. They make it very simple so that anybody with computer and internet access can figure it out. And so what happens is that people that really aren't that sophisticated with computers or, you know, as you might think, an elderly person, oh, they'd never use it. But sure, they're home alone. They started exploring it. And once they make the discovery of different applications and things that they enjoy, it can be done to excess because they don't have the structured lifestyle at least kind of stopping them from doing so.
0: Are lonely people more drawn to the internet? You know, lonely people probably go
1: along with socially awkward and people that suffer from, say, social anxiety disorder, because what happens is they really, they want to connect, but they don't know how to connect with people. They're so afraid or intimidated in social situations or to try to make a presentation at work or whatever the case may be. But what happens is with the internet I can go into a chat room and talk to 20 people instantly. They don't really know who I am. I feel the safety behind the anonymity of computers, and I don't really have to worry about what I'm I'm saying, what I look like, if I'm having a bad hair day. There's a lot of motivation there for somebody that normally would worry about all that stuff in, in a face-to-face situation. It, it becomes masked and disguised on the Internet, they're really only typing out to people and they're strangers at first but there's a sense of intimacy that really can develop with internet online affairs have probably become one of the bigger things i've seen and one of the things that happens is that what might take you and i months or years to develop an intimate relationship in real life only takes say weeks or you know days sometimes online i mean the the accelerated sort of sense of i can connect with you It's very powerful, especially for somebody who may be lacking that in their real life.
0: What about the risk of lying? It seems like this is fraught with people just making up anything. There there may not be any consequences. Do you see that sociopaths are more drawn to the Internet? Any correlation there? Well, I see that deception is sort of a major issue with the
1: Internet anyway when you meet people. I mean, I can tell people I'm 12. I can tell people I'm 51. I can tell people whatever I feel like. I can, And I I think there's been a lot of research that's talked about just like online personas. So I'm not sure if it's sociopaths that are drawn to it as much as just anybody that wants to step away from who they are in real life can go online and become somebody different. You might have a 16-year-old who feels like a you know, social misfit at school, doesn't really have a lot of friends, that all of a sudden goes online and plays these games, that becomes a great warrior. They're very important. They lead charges of like 80 other people. And to them, that persona is very important and very real. You might have a guy who's not happy with his job, cleaning floors, and he tells people he's a doctor, you know, when he goes online. Or you have somebody that, you know, is, holding his gray hair and can say, oh, yeah, I'm young and in my 20s, you know. I mean, you can sort of pretend and, and become somebody else, at least for that moment, and see how other people respond to you. And we're just learning what the, the clinical and psychological effects of that are on people. I mean, that, that's part of the fantasy that people can create in their own – they can kind of create this ideal self, if you will, on the Internet and be, become somebody different. And the thing is, when you click off the computer – they go back to just being whoever they, they were with all their problems and issues, but when they click on the computer again, they go inside, they become that cool person, that hip person, that attractive person, whatever they kind of desire.
0: If you've just joined us, you're listening to Reach MD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is international internet addiction expert, Dr. Kimberly Young. We are discussing risk factors for developing internet addiction. Now, Kim, are there certain applications that are more likely to become a problem than others? It's hard to imagine getting too addicted to my Quicken, for example. <laughs>
1: there are. The more socially interactive applications like chat rooms, instant messaging systems, and games would probably be the number one things that allow people to connect, And whether it's a game, whether it's kind of designed as a role, or chat rooms that are set up to be interactive and anonymous those are probably the bigger problems where people spend lots of time and it gets to be too much. After that, I would say like pornography and adult websites in general, you know, it becomes a big issue because in part we have access now to content we never had before. I mean, what I work with a lot of times are men and dealing with Internet pornography issues where they never really looked at it a lot And they wouldn't necessarily go rent a movie downtown because they'd be afraid of who they'd bump into or that they'd know. But they could go online and anonymously kind of, you know, access this material. And a lot of it is pretty graphic and pretty hardcore. And so what happens is that they've never really seen some of this stuff because it's not available locally or it's just something they didn't think about. But now all of a sudden they're spending hours just watching and looking at this stuff and it becomes interactive because they can see live shows and it, it becomes all all the assets of the internet can be used to enhance sort of the sexual content that's online. So that's a, probably another big area of concern that we have in terms of sort of the development of a sex addiction with the internet. And then you have gambling sites, I would say would be the next level of problems where a lot of the virtual casinos to sports betting sites become big big problems, especially amongst teenagers and, and adolescents.
0: So the anonymity really does seem to be a key variable in, in all of these different activities.
1: It does. I mean, as I've looked at this, I mean, that's one of the things that, that I think is, is hard because clinicians may not even be seeing clients because they're very afraid to sort of get away from the computer and admit that they have a problem. That's probably the bigger issue is that they're going to see family members and you know, parents, spouses, I've even had children complain about mom and dad's Internet use because the person that's behind the computer screen likes the anonymity. They really don't want to talk about what they're really doing on the Internet and how that's affecting them.
0: As a primary care physician, any tips that you might have for our listeners on on how to address this with their patients?
1: Well, again, screening for it, you know, even just asking a couple of questions as part of an intake evaluation might be very helpful I mean, if you notice somebody's depressed, they're home a lot, if they've recently lost a marriage or a job, asking a little bit more about, well, do you use a computer and and how much and do you think that contributed to your situation might open the door because if you don't ask that, you might not know because the person isn't going to disclose this. But on an initial intake, when you're looking for a lot of other factors, I think because, again, computers are so salient in society, it would help to get some baseline information from the patient on what it is that they're doing. When do you use it at home? When do you use it at work? Because a lot of people are doing this at home, at night or weekend, when it's really kind of a very hidden or a silent addiction.
0: Yeah, I have to say that I have not incorporated this into my intake assessment, so we can use these risk factors to identify patients that that it's worth the effort of asking these questions. So depression, you mentioned, other substance abuse, alcoholism, social anxiety disorder, those might be the big ones?
1: I would say those are all the big ones. Those Those are the primary things.
0: Are there any ethnic variables here?
1: No, nothing specifically that's been studied, although I find it interesting that culturally, beyond the U.S., that this internet addiction has become an epidemic in China, Taiwan, Korea. And I'm not altogether sure what kind of makes it such an epidemic over in other countries. But like in Beijing, China, they have one of the first camps to deal with internet addiction recovery. And they're crowded and they get people from all over the world, like, you know, US, but, you know, Europe and so forth, coming to this camp to try to recover. Or in Amsterdam, in the Netherlands, They opened the first detox center for video game addiction. Detox center? It is. It's a detox center. I mean, like you would with alcoholism or drug abuse, you go through a 28-day kind of intensive program, but you have to get away from the substance. And if the substance is the computer, there is a sense of withdrawal. I mean, you'd be very surprised at how many people just, if you pull the plug They react as if you were talking to an alcoholic and you just dumped all their
0: alcohol down the drain.
1: I mean, it really becomes that obvious and that noticeable in terms of their withdrawal.
0: Well, thank you. We've been speaking with Dr. Kimberly Young, the director of the Center for Internet Addiction Recovery. We've been discussing today the risk factors for developing Internet addiction. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.